This episode is brought to you by Gin & Co, author website design specialists. If you want a beautiful and functional website to promote your books and brand, reach out to Gin today. His work includes tailored, expertly designed, professional author websites. I finally have a website I'm proud to share. And we've got a special offer for Words and Nerds listeners. Reach out today and get a free domain name and website hosting for the first year. You can get their website essentials package, includes domain name, website hosting, backup and security, free for the first year with any website purchase. This is valued at $330 a year. Choose a website designed to bring your author brand to life. You can find more details about this special offer at ginand.co forward slash words and nerds. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm Danny V, podcast host and children's author. I also do some work in publishing and acquisitions and publicity. As we hurdle towards 1 million plays, we'll continue to provide you with the conversational, vulnerable, honest, and fun chats with your favorite authors across all genres. Check out our takeover episodes, usually released on a Friday, and our spin-offs released during the month. Thank you for being here, being part of the journey, and supporting Aussie Creatives. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast, where we bring literary goodness straight to your ears. Today, I welcome Andrew A.C. Edwards, a former police officer, paratrooper, and special forces officer, and has now pursued writing action thriller novels. Andrew has recently released two books in his debut series, Dragon, which centers on private investigator Galahad Jones. The stories are loosely inspired by real events, which I'd like to talk about. Today, we're going to talk about the Dragon series, books Dragon's Back and Dragon's Claw. Welcome to the podcast, A.C. Edwards. Hi, Danny. Thank you. Now, I always like to start with an elevator pitch. So what have you got for us with this uh, this series? Yeah, well, you know, how to write the perfect elevator pitch. That's that's like trick number one, isn't it? Um, okay, first book, let's take first book, Dragons Back. Uh, a broken private investigator races to destroy a human trafficking ring while clearing his dead father's name. That was very impressive. Do you be able to truncate that? whole story into one elbow pitch. Well done. Try book two. <laughs> book two, a broken private investigator's life spirals out of control as he hunts a serial killer. Now tell me, loosely inspired by real events, um, and obviously, you know, your your job sort of lends itself into that, what was inspired by real life and what was fiction? Where do they begin and where do they end? Well, the two books are, are, are different. Um, that they've got they've got different premises, um, although you know they do overlap. Book two is a sequel to book one. Book one, let's take book one for example. So one of the central themes to the book is uh, a human trafficking ring that is moving young women from a number of countries in Southeast Asia uh, into Hong Kong uh, for sexual servitude, as they politely call it. Um, so. Uh, that was always something that had been on my mind, something that had bothered me. I have worked in the past on the intelligence aspects of real-life human trafficking through uh, private sector agencies. So it's always been something that's been on my mind, and it's certainly as someone who lives and works around Southeast Asia, it's something you see all too frequently. Uh, it's everywhere. Uh, so... it. it I wanted to shine. I wanted to shine a light on on what was going on or what is going on. 
It must have been, um, you know, on the particular topic of, of trafficking, it's a difficult subject mm -hmm. to to deal with, I imagine, in a book. And also having that real-life experience with that as well, was it a cathartic or was it a difficult experience to talk about those things that, you know, you said you see too often? Because although it's fiction, yeah. you know, you, this is still going on and you said, you know, it goes on more than it should and often. So how is that process for you? Uh, you, you, you used the word cathartic. I, I've never actually thought of it uh, like that. I, I've never really thought of it. But I think getting the words down on paper and I, I guess expressing my emotions through the emotions of my characters, albeit one is a male character and one is a female character, um, it, it was certainly useful for me to sort of get that out in, in words. Um, it, it was just something that, I mean, when I first started the idea of writing a book, you know, I thought, well, this has got to be about something big somewhere in the background, that the central premise has to be something big. And, of course, and we'll, we'll get into this, no doubt, but given the location, um, this that particular subject was just a no-brainer. And so you wanted to shine a light on it. And, but it's something I imagine, even if you work intelligence, that it's sort of like something that you stop and then it keeps going and then you stop and then it keeps going. It's this forever cycle. So it must have been an important story for you to write, not only for awareness, but possibly change, even though that's probably a much bigger and difficult thing to do. Yeah, look, I, I, I wouldn't have had that as a, as a motivation. I don't recall that. I, I would love to think that somewhere down the line, someone reads this um, and that someone's in a, in a position to to affect some sort of change. Um, but I, I think the reality of that is that, that you know, that's, that's pretty slim. Um, I just think it's important that, that this message gets out there. I mean, it's been out and around for a while, but it, 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 it gets lost in the white noise of everything else that's going on around the world and within the region. So, it just needed a little bit of a, a shake, I thought. Yeah. And books allow you to humanise those people in those situations as well. I mean, like you said, it just becomes white noise when you hear another news item that's, you know, terribly depressing and then you hear another one and another one. And I'm not saying you get desensitised to it, but in a book you can really, you know, get deep into the characters and have empathy for people and these stories then become yeah. more human than just another yeah. news article. Yeah. Oh, look, exactly. So, you know, in Dragon's Back, um, that the protagonist, Galahad Jones, is by the memory of a news article of a, uh, a young unidentified woman found dead on the side of a road in, in South, South Hong Kong in a district called Aberdeen. Um, and that's bothered him for a while. It's always itched away at him professionally and, and it's, it's worried him personally. Um, and in, in the development of the characters, what what I wanted to do was the the young women who've been taken from their from their kampongs and their villages. Um, I wanted to give them a voice, and I know that sounds trite and, and quite cliched, but that's why the, there's a very the, there's a very specific character who really gave birth to herself um, initially as a as a rescue, but she developed um, and and. Ironically, perhaps enough, she uh, appears in the second book, 
uh, as a very strong character. So, you know, she's not a victim. She, um, you know, she finds her own feet and finds her own voice and finds her own strength, um, not necessarily pleasantly, but she becomes a, a very strong character in my series. And so I, I felt that that was a good thing to, to lend her that. And it must be interesting, and we'll get to character, but having a series, you don't just have the character arc of the book, you have to have the character arc over the entire series. So how yeah. did you, how was that part of your process? To be completely honest with you, when I first started sketching out Dragon's Back, my first book in, in my notebook, um, it was pretty sparse. I, I kind of knew what I wanted to write about. I knew where I wanted to set it. Um, I tinkered with the idea of the central protagonist for quite a while, and I guess we'll get onto him in a moment. But um, the process was pretty loose, <laughs> to be completely honest. Um even when I started writing the book, I really wrote it by the seat of my pants. I, I had what I like to call lily pads. I just had some broad pads that I would jump between, uh, represented by some little squares inside my notebook, and and I would just kind of let it come. You know, it wasn't a very disciplined process if you read all the textbooks. Um well, I think you're allowed to be either a planner or a pantser. And I think from speaking to a number of authors, you either are, you're one or the other, but you yes. always wish you were the other, right? So, Well, do you know, I'm definitely a pantser uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the literary sense. Um, I, I, I prefer to see where it takes me. Mm. Um, you know, look, I have gone back and, and just either completely rewritten or deleted big chunks of the narrative. But generally speaking... I try and let the characters develop themselves. I try and let the, the the plot and the scene develop themselves. I know some major chunks that I want to cover. I'll just sort of, you know, point the direction and and see where they go. Um, and that's definitely, you know, seat of the pants stuff. Yeah. And I, I enjoy it. I get, a, I get a thrill out of that because mm. it doesn't become a chore. You know, when I sit down at my desk in my writing routine and I – up the laptop, I'm never quite sure where I'm going to go in the next minimum 1,500 to two and a half, 3,000 words each day. You know, I'm just – and when I finish, I go, wow, that was interesting. Yeah. I actually like that process of, of pantsing. Not that I can plan. I've tried and I'm not a planner. But I like the idea because you're going on the journey with the characters. You kind of not know what's happening next. But I think subconsciously yeah. you might because it always seems to work when you get to the end of the book. You're like, oh, you know, and all the foreshadowing and things. And although you have to sometimes go back and put the yes, foreshadowing yeah. stronger, it's kind of loosely there. So it's like, I know the brain, I think, operates in a different way because I can see the post-it notes behind you. So that's not you uh, planning. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I didn't position the camp very well, did I? Um, <laughs> That's about as that's about as planning yep. as, as I get. And in effect, they're little lily pads. Um, there is any mess. Yeah, so it gives me ideas, and but um, sometimes I just won't listen to that. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think I love that idea because I feel like there's always it's an interesting way to write. And like you said, it doesn't feel like a chore because otherwise you got I've got to write this chapter about this, and this has got to happen in this chapter, and that works for some people. And I was very jealous yeah. at first, thinking, oh. You can plan this entire novel and all you have to do is sit down and write it. All you have to do, it's very hard. Um, but, yeah, the pantsing, I think it's quite exciting, you know, particularly when you're writing action thrillers. Like <laughs> I think that's important to have that kind of spontaneity and, yeah. you know, um, mystery in it as well. Now, 
writing action thrillers, do you always know your end point? Is that part of your lily pads or do you allow yourself to go there organically as well? Uh, the, the very end of the novel, I like to start with a reasonably close idea of, of how I want, want it to complete. But of course, because I'm I'm not too sure where I'm going on the on you know, on the journey on the path down there, um, both books um, have changed slightly. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, one, the first book, Dragons Back, changed quite a lot toward the end. Uh, so I I know where I want to go on the wrap, but again, you know, I don't um, meticulously plan my way there. Um, uh, you know, I'm just much more comfortable letting letting the story tell itself, let the characters um, lead me. I find that's an enjoyable and organic process. I think sometimes there's a lot more editing that goes in it when you go back. But I think the first draft, um, for me, at least it's an enjoyable experience. I actually quite like the editing too because you get this mess and hopefully you get something less of a mess. So. Well, the first two books, um, I, I have changed the process slightly in the third book, which I'm about three quarters of the way through. Um, but the first two books I didn't even chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wrote. Okay, that's interesting. Um, and then, you know, you know, so I, but I might have indicated by a, you know, a, a triple space yeah. that there's there's a shift in time and space. Um, <clears throat> sometimes not. And it was going it was going through the first, second, third edits that I would go, ah, that's a good spot to to break off into a chapter, which means that I might have changed the preceding last paragraph a wee yeah. bit to lead in but yeah I didn't chapter didn't plan by chapter and didn't write by chapter wow <laughs> this long know, it's, chunk of writing <laughs> it's a it's a bit it, yeah it's a bit sort of out there isn't it so, I think know. it's whatever works for you that scares mm. me because I need to have little chapters I don't think it helps me I just think it helps me compartmentalize because if I think I've got just 90,000 words or 50,000 words or whatever it is I'm like how do you do that <laughs> yeah, yeah well, uh, well I think the, the the thing is that you know I didn't do any courses I didn't I didn't do a creative writing course I didn't read any books on how to write oh, actually that's a lie I have read one book that is around here somewhere it's absolutely my bible it's by Stephen King on, on writing, writing. <laughs> it's everybody's um, bible <laughs> yeah that thing has got post-it notes and pencil marginal notes all through it you know yeah. um, that's the only book I've ever read on writing so I didn't have any preconceived notions or any expectations about you know how to do this there wasn't an instruction manual I, was, I knew I wanted to write a book um and I just you know, I just wrote it and that's both the beauty and the terror of writing is because there's no linear way there and um everyone has a different process you know so although that book on writing is is magnificent and very useful and I think a lot of people continually go back to it there's no this is how you go from a to z so you actually do have to find your own way there and I think it's a matter of once you one two three books in whatever just trusting the process and going you'll get there and that's a really hard thing because well maybe I just got there two books but I can't do a third one (laughs) but I think trusting yourself and trusting the process I think has to be part of it well, that was a real stress point for me, if, you know, to, just to talk briefly about about the process um, and and book three. And I won't, won't talk about book three unless you wish to, but I I agonised over this decision because the first two books, as you'll know, are in the first person. The third is not. Mm-hmm. 
I've shifted to the third person. That's interesting. To, 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 you know, that omniscient narrator, third person, the omniscient third person. Um, and I was really worried about that um, for a number of reasons because it, it did seem a little bit more structured than letting particularly Galahad tell the story in his, in, in, in you know, in the first person. Um, but I was surprised that it, it just sort of seemed to fit my process. I'm still not chaptering it. I'm still just writing away. The chapters are, are quite clear because obviously when there's a scene change from I don't know, a city in Malaysia to a country manor in rural England. <laughs> That's probably a chapter, potentially, you know. So, <laughs> but it, it sort of seems to fit my process, but it, it was pretty stressful, that, that first person to third person jump. Yeah, it's a big jump too. And if you decide to go back, it's a massive edit. <laughs> oh, I can't, I can't imagine. <laughs> That'd be just complete rewrite. <laughs> and we talked briefly about setting, set in Hong Kong, and you have experience, obviously, you know, living and working there. Tell yeah. me about this choice for this story. Yeah, well, as you said, I mean, I, I was living there at the time. I, I lived in Hong Kong for quite a number of years. Uh, it's a city I love. Um, I've, I've known the city for a few decades, um, but uh, having lived there for the last six, seven years, <clears throat> excuse me, it was definitely, you know, in my blood, as they say. And when I started thinking about the book, I said, oh, I'm going to write a book, I told myself. And <laughs> and then, of course, well, where's it going to be? What's, it, what, what, what's, what sort of books it going to be? And and, and that's perhaps an, another thing we'll, we'll talk about. What sort of book is it going to be? Um, but where is it going to be? And it was, again, it was just completely clear to me that it had to be in Hong Kong. I knew the city really well. I, as soon as I'd worked out that it was going to be a crime thriller, an action thriller, and as soon as, particularly as soon as I'd, I'd sort of worked out that I was going to be paying indirectly homage to some of the early pulp fiction geniuses, um, you know, um, of the 50s and 60s, the city completely lent itself to that because mm -hmm. it, it is a vibrant, bright, light city, and at the same time it's a very dark um, and cruel city, so you you, you can you, you can very very easily move from uh, from a high end glitz and glamour to really gritty existence um, when you're setting a novel in in, in Hong Kong. Um, and it also happened that you know I, I just knew the city back to front, so I knew that I would be able to walk with Galahad Jones anywhere in that city and, and see it in my mind's eye as, as, as we were writing. So and it almost became, I felt a character on its own. And when setting does that and often does that in action thrillers, the setting becomes, you know, this character of its own because it is so vibrant and it is so alive and it is so important to the action and the characters. Well, yeah, look, thank you for that because that, that really was an important thing for me, you know, without, without, without flogging it, which, which, you know, you can do, you know, the, just horribly, floridly descriptive passages. Um, it was really important for me that, that I made the setting as, as, much, as an important a character as, as any of the other human characters. Um, and, you know, the reviews I've got so far mostly all point at that. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy with that, very, very proud of it. Um, and I'm hoping that I can carry that carry that on into, into book three, which is set somewhere slightly different. Yeah. 
Now you've had a varied career. So what led you to writing? I know you said, you know, I just decided I wanted to write, but what was it? You read the Stephen King book. Were you a reader? Did you love books? What was it about writing? That yeah. Drew okay. to so, it? I mean, I've been an avid reader, as they say, all my life. I mean, I started reading very, very young. In my first recollection of a book book, not a sort of spot goes to town type, <laughs> not there's anything wrong with spot, um, was I read um, the uh, the first three books of the Narnia trilogy. Wow. Uh, when I was, I would have been, I would have been not much older than six. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll never forget that. Well, we were living overseas at the time. We we're actually living in Germany. And, uh, and I'll just never forget that. And it just went from there. So I, I, I consume books. Um, and, you know, I think you might agree that to be a halfway decent writer, you've got to be a reader. Mm. You have to understand what it is you love to read, but, you know, what readers like to read. Um, mm. So I think if you, you know, rule number one, if you if you're not a reader and you want to be a writer, start reading yeah. a lot. And it's all those incidental things that you learn without knowing you're learning them. If you read a lot, you know, like how chapters end or how words are structured, or how dialogue is written, all yep. those things. If you read so much, it just somehow filters into your brain. And I like how you said you have a halfway decent writer. You have to be well read. I also think to be a half decent human, you also need to be well read. <laughs> is, look, that's an incredible point. Um, you know, and and at my age, you know, at my age, my generation, uh, you know, I do despair that the kids these days generally don't read, and. Um, and, and and I worry about where that's going to take them individually because I, I think they're missing something, mm. will miss something in their you know in their development. Yeah, I'd be interested. I'd really be interested in the stats there of readers because I'm hoping that there'll always be generations of readers. And I can't compare my kids because I've had a you know house full of books their entire lives, so they do like to read. <laughs> but yeah. I wonder. I'd like the stats on that if reading because I'm hoping that reading always finds its people every generation. You can only look at a screen for so long, right? <laughs> Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? But, but in the eighties, we had a lot of playing outside, and that was fun. And on your bikes, and you could have done that all day, but you know, you always found time to read. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, no screens, so it was a hoop and a stick in the eighties. Yeah, or three channels on the TV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got old fast. Yeah, yeah. And, da- and you know, and Dad smoking in the car with the windows yes. up. Right, and in the house, I'm like, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that lung damage to me before yeah, I was 16. Good days, good days. <laughs> good times. Times that, you know, we parent very differently. I don't know from your experience, but I parent very differently. Yeah, Even though we yeah. had so much freedom, it's like no freedom for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, you know, um, it, 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 yeah, I think the, the original question was, um, oh, yeah, what, what brought me to it? Um, Look, I honestly don't think anything specific, although when I look back on it, I can probably see some signals or some signs. So I, I did know that my professional career was 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 coming to an end. Um, you know, um, for, for no particular reason other than ageism. And <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I sort of, and I, and I knew that at some point I'd be moving out of Hong Kong. And I, I don't know, it just occurred to me that you've always wanted to do this thing. Well, if not, when? Yeah. You know, if not now, when? You know, yeah, so. that's right. 
I, I, I can honestly remember um, messaging a, a good mate of mine who's also a published author um, and, you know, a very good one. It was after a couple of beers and maybe one or two Aperol spritz and I was in my <laughs> little bar um, in Wanchai on Johnson Road watching the trams go by and I just flashed him a WhatsApp and said, I'm going to write a book. And, and of course, I forgot the time difference. It was like 11, <laughs> it was like 11.30 at night or something in, in Sydney and I messaged back, oh, that's good, mate. Yeah, yeah well done. Um, but, it, yeah, it just literally did come on me like that. Mm. Um, and now it's what I really want to do. Yeah, and it's probably always been there if you've been an avid reader. You know, I think it's always there that to want to create something, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a bit of a, a teller of tales. <laughs> that's the polite way of saying I don't I, I, I don't know what the age rating is on this podcast, so I'm just not too, not too sure if I can say bullshitter. Yeah, um, you can definitely say that. I've had people say much worse than that. Yeah. So I've always, <laughs> always, I've always liked to spin a bit of a yarn. Hmm. Um, and to be honest, I, I don't mind holding court, you know, over a couple of beers. So it's kind of a natural thing to you know, get it down on, on paper and try and get it out to as many people as might like to read it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, a question I ask all my guests, and you've touched on it a little bit here and there, but if we can dig a bit deeper, why do you write? I love where it takes me. I mean, I'll be completely honest with you. I can live in another world entirely. I can be sitting here in, in the study and in, in, in a matter of seconds, I can be walking through the Malaysian jungle or I can be um, having a beer in a Hong Kong bar or, you, you know, I, I, I can be, I can be on the Mekong River in a, in a fishing boat. It, 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 I love the escapism of it, um, which is, of course, what I really hope and intend to bring to my readers. That's why people read. They want to escape whatever, you know, either just escape the fact that they're tired and they want to read for a wee bit or they want to escape perhaps at the worst end, you know, the humdrum nature of their own existence. So, I mean, that's why I write. I also do it because, and this is going to sound, I don't know how this is going to sound, um, but I do it because I can control that universe, notwithstanding the fact, that, and it's true, as I said earlier, that my characters will butt in um, and they'll demand to go a certain way or say a certain thing and I'll read back on it and go, well, you know, where did that come from? Oh, it came from her, obviously, because she's a she's a you know she's a sassy little thing, and um, she won't take no for an answer when the boss tells her that she's got you know whatever. And I love to think that this universe of uh, of cities and and characters, I, I can I can lead. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, you know, and, and you know the thing. I try and look. I try and keep it as realistic, absolutely as realistic as I can. All my novels as as professionally realistic and, and in every other aspect as realistic as I can without turning them into, you know, ge geography lessons. But I also love the fact that I can, with, with the click of a finger, you know, I can change the Hong Kong coastline to better suit <laughs> where I want that boat to be. Um, I can, you know, I can have that dead end street actually not be a dead end and move out onto the major road and turn right because it's just easier. So, that whole universal control thing, I think, is a bit of a buzz. Mm, no, and I think that's for reader and writer, really, because, you know, 
life is very difficult to control every aspect. And I think even even more in uncertain times, and even when you read an action thriller, and there are a lot of surprises and red herrings and hooks and twists and turns, you still expect, you know, some sort of entertainment and some sort of justice at the end. So there is even an action thriller, I feel like there's that safety of that controlled world. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's right. I mean, that um, I wouldn't say they were happy endings, <laughs> my, my books, um, but there's there are satisfying ending where yeah. the reader will go, yeah, that 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 annoys me a bit because you know they didn't fall in love and ride off into the sunset, but I can totally see that. For example, you know, um, and also, like again, the genre, the nature of the the tales. They don't really lend themselves to um, Disney endings. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then where do you go for the next book anyway? <laughs> you got to break them up oh, again. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Look at Mulder and Scully. They did that whole I tension did. thing for seasons and seasons and seasons. When when were they going to get it on? <laughs> I must have I must have watched, I don't know how many years we all watched yeah. X-Files. Come on, come on, kiss her. <laughs> no. The close calls but never happened, and that's what kept us all watching, I think, besides, you know, the interesting storylines. <laughs> well, thank you. I found it really interesting. I love hearing about people's process, particularly as new writers as well, because I think, you know, we're still finding our process when, when you're new to it. And maybe it will never change. Maybe it changes a little bit with each book. Maybe each book comes with its own process. Who knows? Yeah. But I really enjoy um, listening to people, how they how they get into the books and the, the, the challenges and the rewards, and particularly how this has some of that real-life elements to it, I think. You know, that makes the book really special as well. So thank you so much 